0: Listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now, here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumare. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And
1: I'm Mary Jo Tumare.
0: Okay, Mary, are you tired of Kevin McCarthy yet? Oh, my. I thought when I,
1: I was out yesterday afternoon, and I got in the car, turned the radio on, and they were talking about more leaked tapes kevin mccarthy and i thought oh god i think i'll listen to music because i'm getting sick of
0: absolutely the whole
1: situation
0: fortunately our brother ray gives us good playlists of music that we should listen to right
1: exactly he always creates the alternative universe of music but i i did listen to it because i felt obligated to And um, so for anyone who is lucky enough not to know what we're talking about, yet again, yesterday, um, some tapes were released of conversations. So these are conversations among the leadership of the House of Representatives, January 2021, right after the insurrection, where Kevin McCarthy, um, Liz Cheney, and Steve Scalise are talking about the insurrection and the aftermath. I think that's the clearest way to describe it, wouldn't you?
0: I I do, and we should probably make the point that at that time, Liz, Steve, and Kevin, as we call them by first names, uh, they were the leadership team of the House of Republicans, right? So there's a reason they kind of get together. Right,
1: and, you know, there's a lot of theories about... um, McCarthy and why he, in in these tapes, sounds like a very rational leader, because what he's talking about is what a dangerous moment it is, how they don't want to incite additional violence, and specifically talking about some members of Congress. Who are saying really inappropriate and dangerous things? For example, Louie um, Max Gates, Mo Brooks—those are the three names that come up multiple times—and um, e- either tweeting or going on uh, Newsmax or whatever—and um, you know, saying things like "we're going to take no prisoners" or what. I can't exactly remember what they said, but it's all. Um, in the public record, and I think most people remember. Um, What's interesting is those things that he thought were really dangerous, and they were naming names like other people in the House who were not sufficiently Trump loyal. I don't remember feeling particularly like nervous about that. I mean, I remember it happening, and nor did I think, there was more violence to be had. So maybe I was just being naive or we didn't realize how bad things were.
0: Well, that could be. I I, I do wonder a little bit. I remember the things and I I would agree with you. I was perhaps not sufficiently alarmed. I, I wonder if we write that off as, okay, that's the Mo Brooks lunatic fringe and don't Think about it, but you know we probably were not sufficiently alarmed by the rhetoric that led up to January six. Uh, I remember sitting and watching on television and being surprised that it all happened. But looking back, it was all there. You know, like the Republicans always seem to do. Everything was in plain sight. Yeah,
1: and they and you know, like, uh, excuse me, I just yawned in a minute. Um, you know, like McCarthy, none of those guys were surprised because they were in the loop. Like they knew what was going on on 8chan and all those other um, stuff. They knew, They had the briefings. So I don't think any of them were surprised by the violence, but we were. I don't think I'm like, my own recollection is that I just, that can't happen here. And McCarthy's clear fear about the after effects of it and what else could happen. um, That was a little bit of a surprise to me. I wasn't surprised. And I don't think most people are because McCarthy's very two-faced. I wasn't surprised that he was trying to put the genie back in the bottle and saying, we can't allow this you know, this kind of um, rhetoric isn't helpful. I mean, that made sense to me that he would be saying things like that because he was saying that
0: out loud. Well, he was. And, you know, I just saw a statement by uh, Representative Matt Gaetz, Uh, you know, not a terribly reputable guy, but a congressperson nevertheless. And I tried to see you know, I saw it written, uh, not on television, whether he was being sarcastic or not in this. and I don't think he was. I think he was being honest. He said, and I've got this pretty close to exact, he said the relationship between uh, Kevin McCarthy, the leader of the Republicans, and the Republicans in Congress were, in his words, not a covenant of honesty and truth. And that's a pretty horrible thing to say. He said, it is a covenant of fun. Now, old Matt, man, he got right to the heart of it. Uh, We as Republican congressmen, we don't expect Kevin to tell the truth. We know he's not going to. He's just not an honest guy. But he raises one crap load of money for us. So we're good with that. Now, I couldn't believe he said that out loud, even if he said it with some kind of smirk or something. It's still, I actually, I think it's still probably the absolute truth about Kevin McCarthy.
1: Right, I mean, if he ends up as the leader, which is something he badly wants, his fundraising prowess will be the reason. What's amazing to me is that here we are, you know, nine months or whatever, not even to the midterms and we are still seriously talking about that guy being the leader of the House of Representatives because he's not walking away. He's sold his self, his soul to the devil. The devil's going to pay due. Come uh, November, assuming that the Republicans win, and I know that that's the odds-on favorite. I just wonder whether or not the Democrats can get there. Stuff together enough um, to run against in part this this hornet's nest of um, double dealing and um, or you know and lying and backstabbing or maybe most voters think ah we always knew that's what it was it's not a surprise but I would love to have a conversation John about who is leaking those tapes so I heard one um, theory. Because it's not Liz Cheney, she doesn't need to, right? She's on the committee. She was part of those conversations. And you know it's not Steve Scalise. Now, you know, could these particular tapes been leaked by McCarthy trying to make him look better? Because he does seem pretty rational in those tapes. Or another speculation is that a staffer did it. Because there'd be staffers on those calls. And I thought that's an interesting, I forget who said this, because they were talking about how traumatized these staffers and a lot of the people who work on the Hill, as you know, are young, like it's a beginning career job. And um, they were so traumatized by what happened in January 6th and so appalled that, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, Trump will be Trump, that it could be that one of those staffers was one, the person who had the tapes and two, who talked to uh, uh, Jonathan Martin and the other guy? That this, these bo- these tapes are all coming from this book
0: that they were
1: um, writing.
0: Yeah. By the way, is that book out
1: yet? No, it's not. It's out very soon, though, maybe next week or something. But it's not out yet. I mean, they've done an amazing job teasing it, though, haven't
0: they? They really have. Because I'm I'm ready. I've got to go on and uh, and order it. You know, you're talking about trauma. And that's been on my mind for a couple weeks. Uh, you lent me Jonathan Carl's book that was so amazing, Betrayal, which uh, uh, you know details the last oh, couple of months and the last days. And to my mind, Carl gives uh, the best description of what actually happened on January sixth events, and in particular. Uh, what happened with Vice President Mike Pence, how he was taken down to this just loading dock. Uh, Carl tells, uh, and makes a good argument about this, that Pence, his official photographer, was with them all the way through this and was snapping photos. Uh, He showed those photos to Jonathan Carl, but Mike Pence said, you cannot publish them. I think uh, Pence had published two or three by himself, but there's a whole lot of others that Carl says are really significant and dramatic. And Carl points out that they were taken by a guy, not paid by Pence personally, but uh, paid by the United States taxpayers. And then, in fact, these photos will come out at some point through, through the committee. I, my point in that long story, is I think you get a sense from Carl of the trauma. And we know that much of that trauma was inflicted on staffers. Staffers who were locked up in rooms and staffers who know other staffers because they get together afterwards and go to a bar in Georgetown together. I think there's a lot of rage at that level. And that could account or things being, being leaked.
1: Right, and, and who's talking to all these authors who are writing these books? Because I don't believe Pence is talking to anybody. Do you know that I thought was interesting that Jamie Raskin, who I think most people know, he was the, the lead guy on the impeachment, the insurrection impeachment, and now he's on the January 6th committee. He said the 6th six scariest words that he heard coming out of January 6 is Mike Pence saying I'm not getting in that car yep. because the secret service was trying to take him off uh campus let's say away from congress and he refused because he was afraid and this is what's what Raskin surmises and I think it makes sense he was afraid that the secret service was in on it and that if he left the building he would be killed, imprisoned, whatever. So Pence was so close to what was happening, I think he understood that no one could be trusted. And that is really amazing. And I think one of the things that's coming out, and even without saying it, I think Kevin McCarthy was reflecting this. They didn't know who was in on the plot.
0: No, and. I mean, I was so frightened when I uh, heard all of that from Raskin because of that same feeling. I mean, it was like a terrible TV show. Uh, remember the one we watched, uh, I think you watched as well, with uh, Keeper Sutherland, yeah. the, the cabinet secretary who survived a, a blast at, at the Capitol. Survivor, maybe? I don't know if that, that was the name. Yes, Designate, no. Designated oh. Survivor. Yes, yes. That was the name. Huh,
1: that and was remember, a pretty good show.
0: <laughs> yeah, I like that show. And remember that it kept turning out that people you thought were trustworthy were not. They were nice. in on, uh, on the plot like a, a good thriller would be. All of a sudden, I thought, well, Mike Pence had reason to wonder was that was what was going on. Uh, because we've heard it other times that the Secret Service, and I'll give you an example of it, was very, very loyal to Donald Trump. I'll tell you the instance I've always thought of on that. Remember when he was in the hospital with COVID and he wanted to go out and like ride around the block and wave at his uh, supporters? Right. And the Secret Service guys, despite the fact that this was a guy with an active COVID case, case they said, okay, Mr. President, and they all got in the car and went and did it. I thought that was weird then, and that would make me wonder.
1: Yeah, and, you know, no one would better know than, than um, Pence what the loyalties of the Secret Service are. The other thing that I've always wondered about, and I think we're starting to get some clarity on, is Trump it was a commander-in-chief at the time the entire military was at his beck and call. Now that could, could have been complicated, but he clearly had the ability to send the military into the Capitol to quell the insurrection. We know this for sure, even yep. if it's National Guard. There's no legal problem with him doing that. And yet he sits on his hands for three and a half hours. And if you're Mike Pence and you know that, This has to be what he's thinking. That Pence is trying to call whoever he can get to say, call the military out, get these people out of here. They're fighting hand to hand with the DC police. And if you're Pence and you don't really know what's happening on the outside, right? You don't know if the in a sense, if the coup is starting to work. And and who's Who's loyal to Trump and what's happening? Um, I think, for going back to the staffers, I think these people had to be just terrified because a couple things happen differently and they're murdering those people.
0: Well, they are. And let's assume that some months have gone on and. A group of staffers are uh, uh, standing around Clyde's, uh, which is on uh, uh, M Street in Georgetown, and they're drinking vodka stingers. And uh, somebody says, you know, this has ruined it all for me. And suddenly a little voice said, I think I have some information that I should get out at some point. If the right reporter calls me, I'm gonna leak this. And they all say, really hey bartender another vodka stinger
1: (laughs) well you know that is time for us but i think um it's going to be really interesting what's going to come up over the next couple months and the committee you know it is drip 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 so the question is should they stop dripping and wait for the hearings or is all of this dripping helping to set the table, as it were, a wet table for the hearings. And, um, you know, we're, we're probably a month away from those hearings, John, so we'll know. Time will tell.
0: It is getting so exciting. All right. <laughs> Bye. Have a good day. Bye. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.